I really believe in maximizing your strengths and covering your weaknesses. But that involves like knowing your weaknesses. Welcome to Artist Talk Central, where we ask artists about their dreams and journeys and challenges and struggles. I'm your host, Buddy, and a bit of a weird friend, Sharice. Let's get right into it. Let me first introduce today, we have the one and only Joya. You are a multifaceted, multilingual, upcoming singer-songwriter. You're from Hong Kong, right? That's correct. And Born and raised here. Ah, lived here your whole life or have you been anywhere else? I've lived here my whole life and then I studied in the U.S. for university. And mm-hmm. then I did a little study abroad in Paris and then I oh. made my way back. Cool. Mm-hmm. So I, first of all, want to talk about your upcoming EP that's coming out. Can you let us know a little bit about that? Any like teasers or something like that? Absolutely. So I think this was a long time coming. I feel like because I'd started music when I was nine years old. And then for the longest time, I think I was just convinced that I would never take music professionally or in a way that would publicize it. I don't know whether this is, you know, societally mm, or like Asian imported or maybe my parents are actually incredibly supportive oh. and uh, they come to all of my shows, which is incredible oh, because so some sweet. of them are really uncomfortable. Like yeah. it's standing only. I've mm-hmm. been in a dive bar. They were they were joking that. Bar? Yeah, I went to the aftermath. Um, oh, right. I think oh, about those are called dive bars. I don't, know. I don't know. It felt like a dive bar. Okay. It's like a little grungy. <laughs> and I warned them that it'd be mostly beers and everything. But they they came, they stood and they were, they were joking. That was the first time they probably went to a bar in Lan Kwai Fong. Mm. <laughs> so I thought that was good yeah. exposure to the world that I am showing them. But in terms of my EP, it is coming out on November 17th mm-hmm. and it will be launched with a hopefully incredible launch party. I will have yeah. my beautiful friend Kiri T performing for the opening. There's going to be a DJ after. And I think my concept really is I want to introduce people to my music mm-hmm. and through these series of songs they're all different love songs actually there's love songs for you know yourself mm-hmm. so there's love songs about loving myself there are love songs about my partner obviously breakup songs and just putting it all together to really introduce the world to the way that I see relationships mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll tag the um, tickets down below in the section. Of the pointing. Um, of the pointing, yes. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's great. Very congratulations. How long did the whole process of making the whole album, as in like maybe when you started to have the idea of like, okay, I'm actually going to make an EP. I'm going to get down and do it. How long did the whole thing take? So I feel like I'm kind of a person that goes and works in sprints. Like, I think this is probably, you know, in my mind, I just have to set a goal and I have to Mm -hmm. run and chase it. So when I first started releasing my music, I think it was in conversation with my partner and we were saying that because I play so much music, why don't I release something? So I set a goal that December to release what was then my first song on Spotify, Apple Music, etc. The song was called Inevitable. Inevitable. I don't think I heard that one yet, but I will do. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Because I I always had music in my pocket. You know, I have voice memos and things like that. Yeah. Notes and voice memos are always the the way to go. I feel like everyone does the same thing, actually. I mean, I I looked at a quote. uh, It was like, the brain is for having ideas, not storing them. So as soon as you have an idea, you have to jot it down or else it just like flies away. A hundred percent. And it doesn't, it actually removes a lot of the pressure, I think, in terms of putting something down on paper and feeling like it has to be golden. When you start taking notes all the time, then you're like, most of these will probably go nowhere. And that's comforting for me. Um, A funny story, actually, about like spontaneousness of having ideas. I was um, doing a solo trip in Sydney and then I suddenly had like a really 
what I thought was cool, a cool melody line. And, but I was in Sydney, right? And I was like a tourist there. I was like, shit, I have to like, sh- like put this down somehow. And I was like recording it, but then that doesn't feel good enough because I want, I have the sudden urge to finish the song right there, you know? And then I actually rented like a space, like a piano space, and I actually like wrote a song right there in Sydney. And anyways, the song That's is also out. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. A little promo here. Uh, my song, Anyone, is now out on all platforms, and you can also listen to that. Well, you got to chase the idea when yeah, you have it. But, I know. And set goals, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you have to commit to them. And yeah. I think that's the same concept I had when I had to put that first song out. And I think beyond that, I just kind of set goals, release a song, release a song, release a song on this, this, this date. And this year, I had the goal to... Well, the first goal I had as an independent artist was obviously to figure out distribution, to figure out what kind of music I wanted to put out and things like that. But this year, now that it's, I guess, my second and a half year in uh, releasing music as Joya, that I would say that my goal starting April was to release a song every single month, which was actually quite a hustle. Yeah. And I did do it. I managed. Uh, And it will be ending. Well, it's it's obviously ending with the EP, which will contain some songs that I've previously released as singles and some new things. But usually I find it hard because the deadlines that, because I don't work with anybody at the moment, so I do everything myself. So it doesn't really matter if I skip a deadline. So sometimes I occasionally, I do set goals. I'd really try to, but then it never manages like to, the songs that I do always just like get half finished and never get really put out because I don't know if you have the same thing is that when I listen to my song that I produce like a million times when I'm editing it I just along the way I just start hating it so much and I'm like oh this is wrong or like this is wrong and then why does this sound like this and then it slowly will be like okay I'm worried about failure, so I'm going to slowly push away this project because I don't want to see myself fail. So I'm just going to... And then and then the project kind of like goes into the long the list void. of projects. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. That's on my Logic Pro, which is something, a bad habit that I need to um, fix. But I also think that there's a time and place for that too because I definitely have had songs that I now love. I think one mm-hmm. of my best examples is one of the songs on the EP and and out as a single called Lost Boy Lost City and I remember when I was playing with that song because I actually started it on my phone so I had the idea I was you know on Lost my phone garage band. City. Yeah, that's the yeah. one exactly and so when I started that I was playing on my phone I was like these garage band sounds are horrendous I just wanted the idea there as they are and then you know I put them through Logic Pro and I started playing obviously with the MIDI and samples and things like that. And I just hated the song. Like I absolutely hated it. And then I had to put it away for, you know, a good two weeks. Mm -hmm. And actually that was when I um, also consulted my good friend and producer, Cody. Cody just was a second pair of ears. And he's like, no, it's like pretty good. Uh, You just need some distance. And I gave it some distance and we worked on it together. And actually it turned out to be a song that I ended up enjoying. Sometimes that doesn't happen. That's like the ideal... State, I would say sometimes it just goes in the void, forever. which is okay. Which is okay. Yeah, I've I mean, given some songs, songs are only meant for yourself, and you know exactly, that's exactly. Fun. And you actually started. So you said you started music when you were nine years old. That's but correct. Or the probably actual, even younger. Yeah, I mean, we all sing <laughs> I just in the shower remember. when we were young. Uh, but the real like uploading and becoming like an artist was twenty twenty. Yes, that's in right. The pandemic. In- uh, actually, yes, a hundred percent in the pandemic. Actually, the de- right December, the, yeah, like okay. so, the heart of the pandemic. So, so as I soon guess as it closer started, to twenty twenty one was probably yeah, okay, okay. probably mm-hmm. when it 
December end end of December. Yeah. So that's when you started. End of December twenty twenty. That's correct. I have to say, I think it was probably a series of different conversations. I had come back to Hong Kong and. I think what I've discovered were a lot of really incredible friends of mine, also musicians, creatives. And we ended up doing a lot of improv. Not a lot, I would say. Just once in a while, improv. And I just felt like slowly through these conversations, all of a sudden there was a tipping point in which I just felt like I didn't want to do it casually. Like I felt like maybe this is my mentality as well. It's like if I'm going to do something, I want to do it professionally, properly and get to a place where I can be. And at so, that time, were you already working at the tech company? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay. so I've been working at the tech company since yeah. I came back to Hong Kong. So it's been about seven years now. Yeah. And it, it's weird to think of it as a day job or night job because I find that these things are all encompassing. Like, you know, it's, it's whatever hours yeah. exist. And with, you know, coming out December 2020, for me, was just finally at that tipping point. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe this, you know, I thought alongside my partner, She's she's an incredible support, by the way. She's my incredible cheerleader. She's a cook, right? She's a chef. Yeah, yeah chef yeah. entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And so she owns several restaurants. And I think that entrepreneurial spirit we both have. Yeah. And sometimes you just need that extra push. And I always joke that she's a pusher, but like a willing. Yeah. willing I accept this kind of pushing. Mm-hmm. And so when we decided, okay, I think I need to take this properly, I released the song. And then since then, it's just kind of taken a shape of its own. Are they? Are there any favorites, by the way, from any songs that you've written or just your EP that's coming out? Ooh, that's a tricky question. I think it really depends on the day. It depends on, <laughs> it depends on the day because for me, and of course, I think every musician will probably say this differently, is I feel like I like to write music for myself, but also for the audience. Yeah. And so audience, I would say at least is 40 to 50% sway because if they're having a really good time, I'm yeah. having a really good time that's as true. well. That's true. And so when I'm alone and by myself, probably... I, I really like the slower ones, frankly. Like, there's one of my favorites is It's Starting to Rain, and it's more intimate. It's quite dark, but I think that's personally one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And it just requires you to be really still and what to is listen. It, uh, what is the song about, It's Starting to Rain? So, actually, the song was inspired by an episode mm-hmm. in Snowpiercer, the series. I was watching this. It's, it's quite dark as a series, yeah. but essentially one of the characters who has suffered a lot of trauma has to essentially accept their fate in order to survive. It's like quite dark. So, I mean, there, there are elements of, you know, suicide, depression, and things like that in, in the scene. And it's starting to rain really, you know, then morphed into what I thought about as a breakup song. Oh, no. I, by the way, I really like your song, Credit. Oh, thank like, you. I do love like that one. That's one of my favorite songs. <laughs> I've been like listening to it on repeat. No, I really appreciate that. Actually, I do like Credit as well. And I do think I'm actually going to be making some merch with the lyrics. Oh, yeah. I've mm-hmm. always really liked the idea of seeing written word on things. Okay. Just like on merch, <laughs> right? So it's like you, you see it. I love, you know, handwriting you on paper. You get tattooed on you. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think I, I would be really thrown off if someone actually tattoos something of mine on Ooh. their body. <laughs> at least for myself, like I have several tattoos, but none of them are words. Okay. Yeah, none of so, them are words. So like written words, but not on yourself. Yes, correct. That's correct. <laughs> okay. At least for now. You know, who knows? <laughs> mm-hmm. Time might change things. But I don't have a favorite lyric. I think I'd be very keen to find out if someone does. Mm. Just because when I put them down on paper, obviously they, they carry weight for me already. Yeah. So if it speaks to someone else, I think that would make me really happy. Anyways, um, do you have any like influences from when you were a kid or like? Absolutely. I think actually my earliest memories are sitting in the back of my parents' car Mm. 
and listening to Simon and Garfunkel, ABBA. We listened to a lot of ABBA. Listen to a lot of musical theater, and I actually grew up performing musical theater. So yeah. maybe I can't tell whether they were inspired to share more music on that front, or because of what we were doing. My sister and I both were in musical theater, and so I would say Abba, Simon and Garfunkel. I love Carol King. I love Sarah Borella. She was most of my teens. Still love her, <laughs> Sarah. If you're watching, I want to work with you. <laughs> Absolutely, and a lot of Disney. Yes, a lot of a lot of different influences, and I think. I think it's because my parents really loved music or also because I think I responded to music very, very young. I remember being a very hyperactive kid. So there are photographs and videos of me always like, just, yeah, bouncing off the walls and I would like just everywhere and dancing and singing. And I think that was a way for me to really express myself. And I was very sociable from a young age. So I'd go up to strangers, apparently, according to my parents. And I think music was a way similarly for me to connect and I think, yeah, I, I was surrounded by music throughout my whole childhood. I was told that you had, like, an opportunity from a producer when you were 18 or something to mm-hmm. pursue music as a professional career, um, but that you didn't pursue that at that time. I didn't pursue that at the time, and I, and I don't really have regrets. I think I watched an episode recently of an incredible artist by the name of Rina Sawayama. Do you know her? No. You can You can check her out later. And... She's also, I think, someone who started releasing music quite much later than I think a lot of artists kind of launch. And one of the things that she said that really stuck and resonated with me was the concept of her having more perspective because she didn't start really, really young. And I think for me, I needed to have the life experience that I had in order to create the music and have the confidence to share and also be able to present it in a way that really felt true to myself. And I think when I was 18, obviously... I think the younger you are, the more you think you know. That's that's kind of the concept. Like I was that's so certain. No, that's you. I know everything. <laughs> no, not at all. I I I definitely do think that I'm more aware of what I don't know, but I'm more at peace with it, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And so, with music, when I was 18, I definitely knew I wanted music in my life. But having gone to school and also having had a good opportunity to go to a good university and knowing my parents also wanted me to go to a good university and pursuing that, I think, was something that I felt like I could not let go of. I I didn't want to forgo that opportunity. The opportunity cost was too high. So exactly. And I also didn't feel certain that I would want to be a canto singer because I thought in English and Cantonese but I wrote in English and Cantonese lyrics are a whole different beast. Like I have a Cantonese song coming out and I do, I do. It's, it's, um, I did hire a beautiful lyricist Mm -hmm. to work with me. It's our first collaboration together and it's coming out on November 24th, I believe at 12 AM. So you can stay posted on that too. Lots happening. I think, yeah, definitely. Writing in Chinese is like, maybe it's just the language and how words are kind of like put together and the meaning of words, because sometimes when you have, um, I don't know how to say it. Like when you have tanti put together, mm-hmm. it's like a whole different meaning from when they're separate. 100%. And then the tones and everything. Ooh, uh. and, yeah, yeah, singing with different tones. It's interesting, yeah. right? I don't think about it. Because if, if a tone goes up, your note right. cannot be like a down note. That, but that would just sound weird, right? Right. Yeah, so. Exactly. <laughs> it's a challenge. It's an art. It's an art yeah. form. I would never dismiss the work that it takes to write lyrics. Okay. I mean, these... Yeah, it's incredible, and I actually really love this Cantonese version of It's Starting to Rain. Yeah. Maybe even more than the English some days. Yeah. So, 
but to your point, I think I just I just felt like a lot of my self-expression came in the form of English and I loved writing. I wanted to be a singer-songwriter. So that path wasn't for me. I didn't really pursue it. I went to school and then somehow it found its way back. So the potential path was that when you were 18, the producer came up to you and was like, oh, was it a record deal? It was a record label person, okay. I guess, on the A&R front more so. And I think they met really well because yeah. they saw that I had interest and it was referred through someone else who had seen me perform. Yeah. But I think it felt limiting versus more than full of potential. Mm-hmm. And I think for myself, unfortunately, I don't respond very well to limited options. <laughs> and I just felt like it would be removing options rather than giving me more. And so if it was something like I had the opportunity to do it while studying, in, ref- in retrospect, I think I might have pursued more of it. But I think because it felt like you're in it to win it, we're going to invest and this is the person you have to be. I just felt like that wasn't me and what I wanted to pursue. I feel like that's very much a lot of mainstream, I mean, just not just in Hong Kong, like a lot of mainstream, you know, mu- the music industry. They, it's very like oh, you have to do this, you have to do that. And it's very much more like restricting than being like an independent artist, which is why I think most, I don't know if most people want to, but at least for me, when I figured out that, oh, um, you don't have to sign a record label to be you know, a professional artist, that's what I jumped onto as being an independent artist because you have so much more freedom in terms of you know, projecting yourself or like branding yourself as an artist. And it's much more comfortable than trying to put yourself to the mass media being somebody who you're not. I think what I would be very curious about is because I've been reflecting a lot about this as well, because I think a label can be a really good partner. They just can't be the be all end all. I think I've definitely heard artists, you know, speak about labels as if that would be their end goal. And I just feel like it needs to be a partnership. I do believe that there are resources that labels have that I frankly won't have. Or if anything, it's more that, for example, a great example is this. I know now what it takes to distribute my music. I know what's involved. I, lo- I know the actions that are involved in at least pure distribution. Yeah. So that's step one. At least that's something that you know I can speak to if I ever were to work closer with a label. Parts that I feel like I'm still uncovering is marketing and resources and the network that exists and has been built over many, many years. And so I feel like a lot of people are burned partially because also maybe the expectations are mismatched on both sides, right? Because I think from a label perspective, what's really hard is I do think that there are people who try to think of artists as not numbers, but it's still a business. And I think that's what makes it really tricky because music is so personal oftentimes But at the same time, it's also the revenue source, right? And it's not just appealing. It's like hitting the right markets. No one can create a a viral thing. I think if someone figured that out, there'd be a lot more viral things by creation. Like people who claim online, oh, how to be viral, how like how to trick the algorithm. (laughs) I think that's them. That's them tricking the algorithm because it's definitely clickbait. So I would love to figure that out. But I personally have yet to meet someone who's really been able to replicate a model of virality. And so that's when I feel like if you're going to be an artist is to have a strong sense of your own conviction and commitment. Mm -hmm. I think um, it's very nice to have a team, 
But when you don't know, you know, the little bits and bobs of everything, it's really easy to get ripped off. I know. I don't know. Advice that I would give would that kind of like resonated with what you resonated with what you said earlier is that um, get to know each division of what there is to be like marketing, promoting, I don't know, nurturing your fans and blah, blah, blah. So that when you do really um, sign a record label or have a team with you, you can actually check on them and be like, oh, they're actually doing the things that I'm paying them to do. Not that just like, oh, what's going on? Because I felt like if you didn't really know and it was like an innocent artist who signed a deal, they would be like, you know, maybe trapped into the system somehow. I yeah. feel like an overarching theme in term, that applies to everything and not just music is I really believe in maximizing your strengths and covering your weaknesses. But that involves involves like knowing your weaknesses. And I think as an artist, that's because in the past three years, I've had to really figure out my gaps. And I think that's something I'm continually working on is I'd love to be able to bridge that gap in the things that I do, but they're always going to exist. And so if someone can jump in and be better than me in those gaps and help me move along... I'm game. As long as I trust that they're decent people, you know, I'm game for that. Do you have a team at the moment? I would say it's a self-curated team. So if, yeah, I would say a self-curated team. I have my producer that I work with. I've worked with several producers, but primarily for this EP, I've been, I've been working with a guy called Cody Fitzgerald. Absolutely love him. He's based in Brooklyn. I have someone who does my mastering, who's done my mastering, I think, for the last I'd like to say nine songs. It's been a lot. So this guy, Elliot um, Mulhern, and he's also based in the U.S. And then I have incredible bandmates that I work with. Lyrics are all by me. Um, and so far, I mean, in the future, I might work with several people I ha- I've been in touch with over the next f- few months, probably. How did you meet but, your like producers and your bandmates? Oh, bandmates. Bandmates... Actually, I think it was probably through improv and live shows. I was actually, interestingly, so my one of, one of my bandmates I met because we were supposed to do a show during Christmas, but then COVID hit. Mm. And then we found another way to collaborate in, in creating, uh, well, producing. He produced my Christmas track, um, another song called Some Things. And previous to that, I've also been connected through friends um, to producers and bandmates so I guess it's a combination of people I've met organically and people I've also met online and actually online was my my producer that I work with now is someone I met online and I got to hang out with him and meet him properly when I was in New York last summer and online, so as in online you just searching or something? yeah oh, 100% okay. Okay. 100% there's some incredible people out there I actually first went deep diving through sound better I don't know if you've heard of it yes. incredible Incredible tool, I think, but it takes a lot of deep diving. So I have my own way of stalking, supposedly. And I just really wanted someone who whose style was slightly different to mine, but who felt like they were very versatile. Because when I write a song, a lot of it actually goes into the demo. So I'm I'm creating a structure and I do, you know, I add samples, I add structure, I add components in. I didn't want someone who would be so overpowering in their style but more complimentary because if you have someone overpowering, then I feel like I would lose what I bring to the table. It would become their song and not ours or mine. It has to be a partnership. It has to be a partnership. And, I, and I treat that with a lot of my collaborations as well, like my EP artwork. I work with an incredible artist called Nicole Chu. She's, I saw it. It was yes. really nice. So yeah. cool, right? Yeah. I'm super excited about yeah. it. And 
it turned out incredible. Was it like uh, yarn? She sews. She Ooh, sews on, yeah. on physical prints. And so, you know, we, we reconnected after many years. I've been following her work and she's been following me. And what's really cool is I wanted to be collaborative. She asked me what I wanted from it. And I, and I gave like, you know, broad brushstrokes about generally the concept of the EP. I gave a little bit of feedback, just one round. And the rest was, you know, her yeah. doing her thing. And I think I really like that. I just don't like to micromanage and yeah. I want to work with people who are really good at what they do. If you don't know what we're talking about right now, that's fine. Um, but when you do see the like the EPR, which I will link down below, you'll understand. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much for uh, tuning into our podcast this week and see you next week. See you. Bye. <laughs>